talking sports with a passion only Philly fans can comprehend. It's the Brotherly Love Podcast. Philadelphia fans, boo. We do it better than anybody else, I'd like to think. And I wear it like a badge of honor. How can we judge a guy? How can we honestly assess his quarterback play when he's just given some of the most terrible weapons the NFL has ever seen? Here are your hosts. This is one of the more disappointing outcomes for a Philadelphia sports team in the last decade. And John Mita. But Ben Simmons, my God, learn how to shoot. It is the Brotherly Love Podcast on Anchor.fm and all, and I mean all of your podcast platforms, including Google Podcasts, where we often get confused with a different Brotherly, brotherly Love Podcast and well, they're not talking sports. Uh, Joe O'Donnell, John Mita here with you. As always, a pleasure. Follow us on Twitter at Love Podcast. Johnny Mita, we got a packed up uh, full lineup schedule, whatever you want to call it. We the itinerary for this podcast. This might take a while. How you doing? I'm doing well, man. There's so much to get to. Uh, the Phillies finally uh, put their foot in the door with some offseason movement. You had the Nick Sirianni press conference. Some might say that was pretty much a disaster. Uh, you have the Sixers that have just been playing fantastic basketball right now. Had a huge win against the Lakers. The Flyers are off to a hot start. Uh, as far yeah, as the swept the aisles. yeah, exactly. As far as the winter sports are going in Philly, they're looking up. Um, the summer team step in the right direction, and the football team is just disastrous at this point. I think. All right, let's go. Let's do it real quick. The hierarchy right now. And this is not uh, not based on success or what you think will be a successful season, but in your in your fandom, in your in your heart, right now, rank the four teams in Philadelphia as far as number, like basically who you are okay with, down to the team that's driving you absolutely bonkers. Okay, well, number one, totally okay with what Daryl Morey did with the Sixers, getting rid of some people. Um, having a decent draft, getting the pieces uh, with Doc, the the Doc Rivers coach against Brett Brown is night and day. So number one, Sixers. Uh, for me, number two, got to go with the Flyers. They're off to another great, great start. They had a couple injuries. They're number two. They're making moves. I think if they maybe acquire another sniper at the deadline, that could possibly put them over the top. Uh, number three, I'm going to go with Man, it, it's tough, but <laughs> I mean, three and four is a real conundrum here. But, um, whew, I mean, honest to God, if the Phillies got some arms, they they might be able to be compete. So I'll go with the Phillies third and right now fourth. I'm going to say the Eagles are in disaster mode because it looks like Jeffrey and Howie, Jowie, Howie, Jowie, whatever you want to call those two. They are lock, step, and key. And right now, I think they have a little too much control of what goes on with this organization. And, uh, and we're, we're not off to a thrilling start with that group in this offseason. How about if we go with how Howeffrey? How okay. I like it. <laughs> I like it. Uh, I'm going to go Flyers yep. one. I could have went there. Sixers two. Yep. I'm going to go Eagles three and Phillies four. And here's okay. why. Flyers, as you mentioned, great start. 
love what they got cooking, even without Couturier in the lineup. Elaine Vigneault continues to push the right buttons. Benching, connecting. Unbelievable. Ballsy move by the Fantastic coach. Fantastic move. They don't miss a beat. Hey, you don't want to play the right way or the way I want you to play? You can watch from the press box. Uh, number two there with the Sixers. They won a game the other night without Joel Embiid when they were down big in the second half. That's impressive. They're taking strides, and a lot of it was sort of that rotation group. All right, it was Shake, it was Maxi, uh, so that was good yeah. to see. But watch my Sixers, Johnny made it. But watch my. I Sixers. was going to say, and I, and I'll um, be truthfully honest, Joe. At the fourth quarter yeah. of that Sixers game, I literally switched over, watched the Flyers, and I didn't turn back to the Sixers with a minute to go in the game. And then they're up 112 to 108. I thought it was the miracle of Christ taking place. I could yeah. not believe. I think I think I'm kind of I don't want to say I'm watching more Sixers and Flyers right now, but I'm just the Flyers are good. I think they're a cup contender. We've been over this, but I just, you know, in the early going, I was like, man, I'm going to watch a ton of Flyers hockey until our season starts in Iowa. Like, it's going to be great. But I always get torn because Minnesota's playing a lot of the same nights. So I'm keeping an eye on them. I'm back and forth. I'm watching other games on the NHL TV uh, subscription. So my hockey allegiance is kind of torn right now as far as who I'm watching. Um, and then, yeah, okay, regardless of that. Now, I'm going to give the, the Eagles a little credit here because I'm going to give New Guy a chance. As long as Jeffrey Lurie stays out of it and Howie Roseman doesn't screw up the draft, two massive ifs, I'm going to let the leverage of that sixth pick overall and a new coach give me newfound hope on the Philadelphia Eagles. After all, I wanted Peterson the puppet out of town. And then last but not least, the Phillies, although they brought back JT and they brought back Didi, and, and we're going to get into that, and Dombrowski's in charge, it seems like he has a clue. I don't like the way they operate. I don't like the way they handled either of the negotiations. Christ, even the Harper negotiations drug out for months. So I'm going to keep the Phillies in the bottom of the barrel just for argument's sake uh, because you had them three. I'll throw them four, and those are my reasons why. Um, yeah. There you go. There you have it. Now, uh, I'll just real quick. I mean, if I told you a year ago, right, we got the Super Bowl coming up. If I told you a year ago before the Chiefs were about to play and eventually win, win it all, right, like, and who knows if they'll repeat. We'll find out Sunday. If I told you a year ago today that the Eagles would be at the bottom of your barrel from a fan base perspective, you would have told me I was crazy. Yeah, I definitely would have probably said that. I mean, we were still sick, stinging over the Wentz injury in the playoff game and what could have been and, all oh, Carson, poor, you know, Carson. Now it's like, get him out of town, <laughs> new coach. Like, it's talk about having your world turned upside down for a football franchise in, in basically 365 days. But, uh, all right, Johnny, you said let's start with the Phil, so let's start there. JT is back. DD getting done uh, just, you know, a day or two later. Great news for the organization. They needed both those guys back. Uh, the pitching remains the big question mark. We like the manager. We like the fact that they brought back most of the lineup. Where are you at on the fills? Well, I mean, it was – listen, this was a must signing. And and it could have been you had to overpay, but I don't care. When you have the best player at his position in the game and you essentially trade away pretty much an absolute ace in Sixto Sanchez who could – God knows how good he'll be. You had to get this done. And finally, John Middleton started to spend a little stupid money again, and, and they got the deal done. Um, he wanted to be the highest-paid catcher at like $23 million a year. 
I'm so glad. I think we did get helped out by some market conditions. A lot of other teams with the uncertainty of spending with the pandemic kind of hampering a lot of franchises that kind of helped in our favor. Some of these other teams signed some different catchers. So it kind of came down to us and maybe another team or two, but let's face it. The guy wanted to be here. You reward him. He's been nothing but a good player for you. And I'm excited about it. And I, and, and also the other thing is to say what you want. It also makes Bryce Harper happy. And I know we're, we can't play the players feelings, but when you're talking about playing with certain guys and who you like playing with, that is a big deal. And, you know, Harper was on the train when he got signed is let's do everything in our power to go get JT. Cause he played with him at the all-star game. And it seems like they developed an unbelievable friendship, a great relationship. And so I'm happy about that. And, and we finally made a move in the off season. I mean, other teams were doing some things The Phillies essentially just let, they got lucky as hell in my opinion they kind of let the market play out during this pandemic and they are able to secure JT Real Muto. And the other thing is like, oh, I don't know about a five-year deal for a catcher, you know, or his knee's going to wear out. Well, okay. If that happens, let's just say he can't catch, you know, he's not, but he's one of the most athletic players in the league. I mean, the guy can run still. I mean, so worse comes to worse. If the league eventually goes to a, um, like a universal designated hitter, so to speak, again, maybe you put him at DH, maybe, you know, or if Reese PC's Hoskins is not your guy at first base, maybe that's a lateral move. You move him from catcher to first base. So I think those are all things that, so I like that. And I like, you know, getting Didi Gregorius back at shortstop. Those are the two key players that, that had a big impact on your team last year. And you had to do it. Now they signed him for a two year deal. After this following year, there's going to be a lot of decent short stops that are going to be available in free agency. But it was a great stopgap because you don't know. You, you're still on the hook for Segura. Uh, where's he going to play second base? He got Alec Baum. He's definitely playing third base full time every day. And you don't really have an everyday center fielder. So Scotty Jackpacks moves out to center. So that's where I am. I that's kind of where I am. I mean, it was two decent signings. Um, I think essentially, I don't really think they overpaid for either one. I think that's kind of, they got the market value for both of them and we'll see what happens. Does it make them better? You know, there's a lot of question marks. Who's going to, who's going to, the Braves are obviously stacked, you know, stocked and ready to go. But the question is, who's going to be in the second? Is it going to be the Nationals? The Mets made a lot of hayway over the offseason and, you know, we'll see. So. Well, I think you hit on a lot of good stuff, Johnny Mita. Um, I'll piggyback on some of it with the fact that when you have cornerstone type players like a real Muto, you got to get, you got to keep them in house. And I mean, that's you, you, the fact that they came out and said publicly at one point, well, if we lose them, we lose them. Like we made the trade knowing we might lose. No, you didn't make that trade and give up your top pitching arm for basically a rental. So glad they got it done. It was stupid how long it took, but it's done. DD, I love the intangibles. I love the energy. I love the passion. He's solid. He's won. He's been around the block. To me, that was a no-brainer. And he had some great pop last year. I think their lineup is outstanding. Pitching's going to be the big question, but I like the leadership. I like the fact that both those players wanted to be here. I like the fact that eventually the organization figured it out and got it done because I was going to be pretty disappointed if one or both those guys – 
uh, wasn't back in the lineup. I also like the fact that Tommy Hunter is no longer on the roster. Thank you. That's your boy. That's your boy. Um, You know, when you look at this Phillies team right now, who knows what Scott Kingery is going to bring to the table, right? I think we saw enough of Alec Bohm to know it wasn't a fluke, but we've been fooled before. Don Brown had eight weeks. He was the best player in baseball. You know, like what happened to him? So I'm not going to go crazy on Bohm. But I did think during the shortened season, he had the ability for clutch hits. He always seemed to give a professional at bat, a la Chase Utley. Like, I like those types of hitters. It wasn't feast or famine. He could lace a single. He showed some power. He's got good range at third. He's got decent wheels. Like, he just seems like one of those, I don't want to say a five-tool guy, but he's got tools in the toolbox. So, I, I love the fact that he's young and hungry and going to lock down that corner. Uh, the hot corner for for a long time, you hope. And I, I just think it kind of slots everybody else now. Like, if you have one question mark and it's second base, that's okay. Like, I can handle that. Like, is it Kingery? Is it Segura? Like, I, I like that better than, like, we don't know who's playing short. We don't know who's playing third. And those guys have versatility. You know, you can move them around on an off day for one guy and shift Segura over or what have you. And the biggest thing, the biggest thing, mark this down, that this allows the Phillies to do – and will help the fan base as well as the organization on the field, it's less Andrew Knapp. And the less Andrew Knapp, the better. And you can at me all you want when he comes through with a clutch hit once a season. I don't care. The guy stinks. I don't care if they love him in the clubhouse. He stinks. And if he had a play somewhere close to 100 games, you might as well have written off my MLB TV subscription because it wasn't going to happen. I can't stand that guy. He's a bum. And with the best catcher in baseball back, Nap becomes a role player, and I guess I'll have to survive with some Sundays where he's behind the deck. Wow. I like it. What else you got, Johnny? Where right, are we going so from me, here? Because now I'm starting right, to perk I up I like a bit. it. I like it. I, I, I mean, obviously, the biggest news was, you know, our last podcast, we kind of covered real quick the, the firing of Doug Peterson, and then we had to go to the hiring of Nick Sirianni, and we got a – we had his yep. introduction press conference, and uh, to say I was – Underwhelmed uh, would be an understatement. I do like the fact that he did bring up the Villanova Wildcats and Jay Wright when he was looking at tape in his office. It's funny how he didn't look at any of the tape of the Eagles. But, again, I'm, I'm, <laughs> I'm optimistic about this guy. He's uh, Listen, I know the guy was nervous as hell. You're talking about – Yeah, I was going to say, was he unprepared? Um, was he nervous? I, like, well, a uh, little bit of both. I would say nervous – Nerves are shining through, okay? I mean, he is now running an organization. This is his first opportunity to become an NFL head coach, and there's only 32 of those jobs in the entire uh, First time head anyway, coach. Anyway. Exactly. Yeah, so let me let, let me lob sure. this at you, all right? Nah, I'm sorry okay. to cut you off, but, like, he was nervous for a Zoom press conference. Right. Imagine if the reporters were oh, up in his oh. kitchen or when he's got to address 53 grown-ass men in the locker right. room before a game. Oh. So – if there's some growing pains, it might be in the communication or right. the rah-rah or right. the speech department. Now, Dougie Peterson, the puppet, was not very smooth. Well, that's true, too. Exactly. Seen. So, so it's – But he turned out to be a exactly. good leader. So we'll see. I'm not going to crush the guy, but I'll tell you what. When I got uh, some screenshots and some tweets sent my way from folks that aren't Eagles fans being like, what happened here? And he went – 
it was bumbling around about the system and the system's going to be easy to learn but hard to play against and it was like it was yeah. like watching yeah. well, I mean it was back. yeah it um, was listen he was shaky he was nervous and and listen Philadelphia media listen they're they're not going to you. you like just like I'm going to lob this at you they're not going to lob softballs like some people do in press conferences around the country but they're going to come at you and they're going to ask the hard questions. I think the biggest thing that kind of did the, the Jowry or Howry or whatever the hell we're going to call this dynamic duo. Okay. <laughs> the biggest, Hef- How Hal Hefri. the biggest, dis- <laughs> that is going to be a tongue twister. The biggest disservice that he did is that they didn't prepare. Listen, they're going to come out with you. Have you talked to Carson? Okay. Do you feel like he can, he's a good fit for your system? Can you fix him? Like, Who's going to be your starting quarterback? You knew that was going to be question number one from one of 20 reporters. And he should have had right. like that. Um, and what's the word I'm looking for? That 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 generic response. So that anybody asks him a question, yeah. you give the same answer. Just how like Belichick stonewalled somebody. He's like, ah, we're moving on to Cincinnati. Like just. Yeah, you need yeah. that cliche almost. Exactly. That coach speak, right? right. Like where. Where's your canned answer A, B, and right. C? And that's not going to win you over with the media. It's not going to win you over with the fan base, but it's going to keep you looking from like like keep you from looking right. like a donkey, uh, or unprepared, or nervous, or not ready for the bright lights. Because that's when you get eaten exactly. up. Um, so I appreciate you know any candor and and, uh, and enthusiasm he came yeah. to the podium with. But you know again, I didn't watch it. But all I heard was negative stuff, and all the clips right. I saw were now like, some of these players. I just saw a clip today. Um, Darius Leonard, you know, put up a clip about how he talked to the team. It looks like he knows how to address a room. So again, and, and listen, this is on the job training, right? He's on the. You're saying Darius Leonard? Yeah, Darius uh, Leonard, the a great middle linebacker yeah. for the Colts, was like, "Hey, everyone's killing my boy," and a lot of other older players to speak very highly of him. So. Again, let's let's That's be good. optimistic. It's going to be hard, you know, for him coming in to tell a lot of these veteran guys that have been there and done that for a while. Are they going to believe in him from day one? They have the youngest coaching staff in the NFL, bar none, right now. It sounds like um, so. It's going to be interesting. So, if this is part of the transition process, I don't want to say rebuild. Let's talk retool, whatever. Maybe you got to get some of those veterans out of the room so that we can have a fresh start. So I'm optimistic. Listen, I, I think we needed a change. I, I'm not necessarily, I don't know if this was my number one choice. Uh, I kind of, and we talked about this off air. We might've leaned a little more toward, Hey, why don't you give Deuce Staley the keys to this ship? Sounds like he can lead the yeah. room. You get a good offensive coordinator. You get a good defensive coordinator. Uh, Jeff Stoutland, the offensive line coach, he is returning. He did not take the job in Alabama, which is nice. So there is that one veteran coach presence that everyone's kind of been around for a while. I do like that. I do think it would have been a little more beneficial for Sirianna to maybe have like an older offensive coordinator, a guy like Jim Caldwell that I've spoken about. I don't know if he'd be interested in that, but but let's see. I mean, he's going to call the place too. And when head coaches call the place, you know, that's always – to me, that's always a red flag or a little worrisome because only few have been very successful doing that. But listen, I'm optimistic. Let's give the guy a chance. He's he's. Let's see what the draft brings to this football team. And the biggest thing that has to be answered is 
there was a huge uh, trade that dropped in the NFL. Matt Stafford got traded from the Detroit yeah. Lions to Jar- for Jared Goff. Um, there was a lot of first-round picks involved, a little of this, a little of that. The QB carousel around the NFL is all over the map. You're going to see starters in a lot of different places. But the biggest question is, what's going on with Carson Wentz? Is he going to be here? Is he going to be tradable? The way that Sirianni answered the press conference, he didn't really go into detail. To me, it kind of sounded like he was out of here. So I, I, I don't know. I don't know. Hmm. Or that. Well, I think a lot of I think a lot of us thought with the hiring that he was going to be, you know, job one is fix Wentz. You're the you're going to be the quarterback. Right. You're a disciple of Frank Wright. You know, maybe that's the not one the coach he believes so, in. Yeah. So when the right, so when we so when the Stafford golf trade broke the other night, I I called you right away, FaceTimed you there. You're watching a movie with Big Mike Mita. There Big we Mike go. Mita shout out. Um, and I was like, dude, is this the template for what the Eagles have to do, which is give up? more than you would think to move Wentz uh, and that contract, right? The Rams gave up multiple draft picks, two first rounders. uh, And, you know, did they get the better quarter? Uh, Let's just take that at face value. Who's the better quarterback right now today? Goff or Stafford? Never been a fan of Goff. Is he two first rounders and a third rounder better than Goff? I I thought they're, I thought what Detroit got a hole in return. I mean, so again, right. you don't know with with their. I mean, you get they, a, they have, have a high Detroit, pick too, a, right? Yeah, and they cal- could draft the quarterback. You get a starting caliber. Yeah, you get a starting caliber quarterback in Goff, who's been to a Super Bowl. Say what you want about him, a former number one pick, and you get two first rounders. Yeah, and what was it? It's third? crazy. Like you could add, you could add three starting players plus you get a quarterback that can start and is more than serviceable. Again, say what you want about Goff. I look, we don't know anything about Stafford when the lights are brightest because he's never played in a playoff game, has he? Maybe once with Calvin Johnson, did and they I don't think they won it. I don't think he has a playoff win. Who? Who Stafford? No, I don't think he does Stafford. I mean, the Lions never go to the playoffs. So I mean, who knows how he's gonna react in an NFC championship game or whatever. So um anyway, so I guess my point to you is like, is that is that the template now? If the Eagles are going to move Wentz, say they get a player back or they get a pick or two, do they have to throw in picks with it? Is it Wentz and a first rounder to get back a second rounder? See, like, is see, that what we're talking see, about See, that's here? crazy I mean, that's, to me. At this point, you tell uh, – It's crazy to me too, but look at – I mean, Jared Goff had a better Honestly, year God, I still Wentz. think you can land a first round pick for for Carson Wentz. I know I sound like an, an idiot or an a-hole or whatever, but you're – so Stafford's made the playoffs, according to quick little search of Ruski. He's made it three times. He's never won a postseason game. And it'll be 33. Yeah. He's been in the league yeah. 12. I mean, his, his supporting kids. So there you have pretty it. Pretty terrible. But I, I, I hear oh, you. I hear you. No, well, I'm apparently Sean McVay him, and Stafford and his wife and Sean McVay's girlfriend, they were on vacation in Cabo together. I mean, the whole thing was orchestrated from what I understand. But I, anyway, I, I mean, I, I don't know. I, I'm thinking, God – in my personal opinion, and who am I? Because I'm just John Meter from the Probably Love podcast. But I still think you can get like a pick, a first round pick from like the 20s to to 30 for him. Well, I thought I thought so too. Well, until New England needs a, a quarter. There's still teams that are look at the landscape of who needs quarterbacks. San Francisco, yep. they're not yep. too happy with Jimmy G. 
Um, they have similar contracts. Um, who else? Um, Deshaun Watson, he wants out of town. You have New England in dire search of a, a franchise quarterback. Um, Pittsburgh, Big Ben will be hanging them up any day now. They could be in the mix for a quarterback. You also look at a team like Denver. Um, they need. Are they sold on Drew Locke? They could be in the running for a quarterback. And then you also have to circle the wagon back to Frank Reich and the Colts. You know, with 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 um, Philip Rivers retiring, they don't have a young quarterback on the roster. They have Jacoby Brissett, but you know they brought in Philip Rivers this past year, so I don't think they were sold on him. So, and I think he might be an unrestricted free agent. So, I. I yeah, I think he's going to – I think he might retire. So, yeah, I'm with you. Look, I think I saw the other day, Johnny Mina, 18 uh, quarterbacks that were that played this past season could have new destinations. That's, that's, that's wild. more than half the it's league. Wild. So Yeah. It, it is wild. Uh, again, follow us on Twitter, at Podcast. It is the Brotherly Love Podcast with myself, Joe O'Donnell, and John Mina. All right, you wanted to post the question, so I'll throw it to you first. Carson Wentz, here or not here? As far as God. being an eagle goes, next I, I, I don't think he's here. I I don't know how you can bring back both Hurts and Wentz and have an open competition and not have somebody get their feelings hurt or something. So you got to make a decision between one or the other. Everything that I've heard, you heard Malcolm Jenkins come out with some comments recently. They kind of babied him, catered to him, and when you cater to certain players like that, it, it brings animosity in the locker room. And we had we heard whispers during the. The, the Super Bowl year, there were people in Wentz's camp and then there were people in Foles' camp. So, I, again, I, I don't know if this unfixable situation. Everything I heard, listen, when when Doug Peterson got the zip out of town, you didn't hear Carson Wentz come out and thank Doug Peterson. He was a great coach. You heard nothing of the sort. And I know he's mad about Jeffrey and Howard and, and the whole Jalen Hurts and getting benched and everything. So, I'm not so sure he wants to be here. And – we haven't heard a word from him. The only thing we've heard of him is, you know, coming out on Twitter talking about Rodney McLeod. So, I, no one was a bigger advocate. I thought if they got the right head coach, I really thought Carson Wentz is fixable. But this might be one of those situations where you might just have to cut your losses and move forward. I can't believe I am saying this right now, but that's what it really might come down to in the end. I think he's back because I think you hired a coach to bring him back. Um, I don't know there's going to be a competition. I think Wentz is a day one starter. If he struggles, you go right back to Hurts, which you're going to do anyway. Do you lose some trade value? Certainly. Uh, but in the years that follow, the cap ramifications become less and less. I think they got to run it back. I think they got to hope that 2020 was a blip in the radar and this guy's a Pro Bowl quarterback. And with a new coach, a more aggressive play calling, and better talent, uh, he gets back. To gotcha. The well, we, let me we ask you saw. this question. Then would you trade Jalen hurts? Because I think there's a lot of teams that might have some type of interest. I mean, let's not forget how he pulled off the greatest heist in history when he traded Sam Bradford for a number one over for a first round draft pick, which I, no one in the world would have expected, but I was one of the greatest trades yes. of all time because Sam Bradford's flat out sucks. Except for the well, fact that Howie was tough. making the pick. Okay. But I digress. Um, all right. Yeah, I, I, look, I told you from the get-go, I think you play Hurts, and if he plays well, you he has value to move him. I told you that before they were even playing Hurts. So I'm not going to back off that bridge. I think that's – I think, yeah, there are some teams that got to have watched this tape and said this guy's a starter in this league somewhere down the line. 
and would be willing to take a chance on him. I would, I would, I'd see that happen. Um, all right. Well, I mean, we got to talk next? about the 10, 9, 8, 76ers, and they had a huge game uh, last week uh, against the Los Angeles Lakers. Lebroni coming to town, Anthony Davis, and it was one of those barometer games during the season. Okay, who have you beat this year? This is going to be one of the best teams you're going to play all season, and how do you match up? And pretty much they controlled the entire game, the entire game, and then they almost peed it away in the fourth quarter, and they found a way to secure a victory. And Tobias Harris, an endgame situation. They, they called a great play for Tobias Harris. He hit a great step, step back, elbow jumper. And, you know, some things, it, it was a huge win for the Sixers. And that's the type of win come playoff time. Are you going to be able to finish? The other big questions answered, okay, who's going to take? You know, if, if Joel B gets double teamed in the post, you're trying to get him the ball late. Who's going to be the guy to, 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 to step up in that role and hit that shot? Because we know right now in Ben Simmons' career, he's not prepared to do that just yet. So it, it was great to see Tobias Harris is having an incredible year right now under Doc Rivers. We all thought he played his best uh, basketball under Rivers as a Clipper. We all thought that this could be it. And he is playing like a max contract player right now. When the guy's averaging 20, which is just great to see because – you got to know, and Bede's going to be your number one scorer, but who's going to step into that two spot and who's going to be willing to take that shot? I'd like to talk a little bit about LeBron James and, 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 and the Lakers right now. Okay. I am so annoyed by LeBron James. People call him the GOAT, then call him the second best bet, whatever you want to call him. This guy bitches at the refs the entire game. It drives me absolute bananas. And what he did to Joel Embiid was just absolutely egregious and ridiculous. And the fact that the NBA didn't come down and find LeBron James for his flagrant foul, I don't know if people saw it. They probably did. But LeBron James, Joel Embiid, was going to hammer home. He was essentially going to posterize the king. who would have been the greatest thing ever. And he gets pushed from LeBron, and he also gets pushed in the back from Mark Gasol. Now, they go to the tape. They review the play. They finally call it a flagrant one. But honest to God, if it was any other player in the NBA, if that was a no-namer, that guy's ass would have been ejected. Gasol should have got a flagrant foul because neither one of those guys, it states in the rulebook, you have to make a play on the ball. And neither one of them did. And Joel Embiid, thank God, he was able to finish the game. But, I mean, he hit the ground hard like an oak tree. And I'm just so sick of LeBron. He bitches at the rest. The guy drops his shoulder every time he drives. It's just... He's unwatchable to me. I can't stand the guy. Last night, he got heckled by a fan. He got a couple fans removed. He said he shouldn't, didn't think they should be removed. Apparently, he called some fan, some woman a bitch. Like, I, I, I'm just so done. I can't stand LeBron James. For all these people that love him and whatever, the guy makes me sick to my stomach, and there's nothing better when the Sixers stuck it to him and ended that game. Thank you. I love it. <laughs> You're welcome. Um, yeah, I got nothing else to add on the Sixers. In fact, I've enjoyed watching them as I touched on earlier. And, and, they're, nice and, and here, they're off to a yeah, good start. And here's the other thing. Uh, top, they're undefeated top team when in the all their five stars play, which is amazing. And I'll tell you what, the game that they won the other night, not to cut you off, but to come back down 13 points in the fourth quarter without your superstar, Joel Embiid. And let's look at the coaching adjustment, right? 
So the Indiana Pacers, the the the, the, the uh, assistant coach, I forget the guy's name, but the one that they plucked from the Pacers, he's instrumental in their defense. Yeah. And he made them switch to a two-three zone, where it's Ben Simmons and Matisse Thybul were playing the two-three, and they let Maxi. They put Ben at the center. Listen, the coaching is just night and day. They go to a two-three zone. Indiana had no idea how to react to it. And then the six or second teamers came in there, lit the fire, and they were able to get it done, which was extremely impressive. Maybe one of the most one of their most impressive wins of the season. Sorry, I'll let you. You're talking uh, no, no, uh, no, Dave no, Jordan. Not Dave Yeager. No. The guy. No. Um, he's the uh, Oh Yeager, sorry. Dan Burke, yes. Dan yep. Burke. Because apparently the Clippers okay. played the Pacers. They pronounce that Jaeger, even though it's yes. J-O-E-R-G-E-R? Yeah, Jaeger, just like that awful. Yeah. All right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Got Johnny. So, to hold me accountable. Um, again, it's just great coaching because apparently Doc Rivers. A, he... Hold on a second. Were you about well, to trash Jaeger? I mean, Jaeger? it's not the most delicious drink. You don't, you don't do like bom- a chilled Jaeger shot I mean, I, in John Mita's wheelhouse? No, well, no I bombs. Bomb any- no I used bombs. to I used to do Jaeger well, bombs actually, back in the you know day, what? but now that I don't drink combination. Yeah. You know what? I do enjoy. I do I, I like yeah. the Jaeger bomb way more than the car bomb. Yeah, 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 I don't yeah, want yeah, a exactly. meal on my drink, you know? Yeah. So right, um, but I digress. Go ahead. But yeah, so it was so the Clippers played the Indiana Pacers, and the Pacers, Doc Rivers recalled a game where Burke made the Pacers play two three zone and it really tripped up the Clippers. So they said, if we get down this game, let's switch it up, and that's what they did. And the uh, just that 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 adjustment, that in-game adjustment, it was just was paramount yes. and so it, lacking again, from the last regime. Yep, yep, yep. And hey, I'll add this: I, after the game, and I didn't hear this, but I, I listened. And I believe is WIP. They mentioned it that when Doc Rivers was asked about the adjustments, he gave a tip of the cap to John Cheney. And I know we wanted to talk about the passing of the longtime Temple coach Absolutely. and a great man by all accounts, RIP John Cheney. Um, but he said it was the John Cheney zone uh, is what he called it or whatever. So that that's awesome. Um, you know, so, yeah, listen, that when you think about basketball in Philadelphia, whether it's Big Five or, you know, just the history of basketball, you know, growing up, John Cheney was a legend. And for a lot of guys, I, I listened to some of Sonny Hill, uh, Sonny Hill. Oh, God, on, I don't know how you did Sunday that. Mornings. Oh, He's my on, God. On WIP. But good for you tuning well, in, but I'm sure you had I great insight. I, I hear yeah. But But honestly, uh, uh, yes, exactly. The John Cheney stories and, you know, it was a good sure. day to catch Sonny Hill, I guess is what I'm saying. So a lot of respect for John Cheney. I uh, always still remember back that press conference with Calipari when he was at what at UMass and Cheney was at Temple. I went back and watched that the other day where Cheney's threatening uh, to the, kill him. The, the best, one just of the best the game, of all time. Uh, was. Yeah, just just passion for the game. So uh, the basketball gods got a good one up there, and John Cheney, and um, certainly he took that oh, Temple yeah. program I mean, John put him on the rise for a, a while. Quick tidbits: I just heard people sharing stories. Um, First time I got to meet John Cheney was at the lovely golf course of Walnut Lane, which is a total dog track, but he ran shop. He was the maestro there and just such a nice guy, willing to talk to anybody and just what he did for the community. I heard when he was a teacher at Simon Gratz, somebody called in to tell a story. And what Coach Cheney, everyone's probably had a home ec class, which, I mean, we love them because, you know, you're getting a free meal out of it. But 
what John Cheney would do is he would go buy food, um, you know, at the supermarket and then basically cook a lot of meals for, for, for low income kids. And that's what he did just to feed as many people as he could. Just such, just a classic man. Just the guy was just unbelievable. He, he what he did for big five basketball, a tremendous coach. I mean, what he did for the program at Temple, it's just amazing. A small school like that, he was always able to land some recruits and listen. And he was a tough guy to play for. If people remember, this is a guy that had you up at six in the morning. That's what time to practice. Now you're you're getting college kids up at six in the morning. We all know. I mean, my worst classes in college had to be my eight o'clock starts. I mean, my lowest grades are at the eight o'clock starts. So. I mean, for him to do that and just to give the kids a discipline, and, you know, his success in the, the tournament. I mean, Temple was always one of those teams, no matter where they lined up in the bracket and whoever the hell they were playing, they they would always be very competitive. And he was just, you know, he was like the godfather of Philly basketball, man. Cheney was just such a great and, and I love the fact that he just didn't really like John Calipari that much because he's another guy that I'm just not too fond of. But uh yeah, rest in peace, Coach Shaney. He's, he's an absolute legend, and the impact and influence he had on not only basketball players that played for him, but just people at the school and, and other coaches that that he got around and, and was able to influence. The guy was just – he was a hallmark of uh, Philadelphia basketball, and he will be greatly missed by many. Johnny Mita, I sure. got distracted there for half a second. My apologies. You say that your your grades <laughs> in that early class window were they dipped a, they dipped a bit. So I mean, well, you know, B minus yeah. is still good. You know, I know you were you were. Not I mean, yeah, that's kind of what you know. Mita. I might have pulled a C or two, yeah. a C plus, you know, in those eight yeah. o'clockers. Uh, yeah. Especially there, I had this one English class. I had to walk, you know, a country mile to get to in a modular unit, and but uh, I wrote a good paper. Uh, on Lamar Odom and uh, the influence of the sneaker industry and college athletes. And so that kind of pulled me back to the uh, B for the uh, semester. So, All right. I know we sure. want to get into some flyers talk here quickly, and then yeah. we've got an on the fly for one another. And I've actually, as we've been ranting yeah. here, I've now got two okay. for you. I like it. Um, so, all right, let's jump to the fly guys. Uh, back-to-back OT wins against the Islanders. Again, connecting, scratched, not missing a beat. They just seem to be a team that is starting to get some of that production from their young guys, and that is when you can become scary good. Today's salary cap world, um, you need your young players. You need those entry-level contract guys to pull their weight so you can afford to pay for a check and Giroux, et cetera. At some point, you're going to have to pay Carter Hart. So win when you can with the young guys. Marriott's had a huge impact. Carter Hart, obviously, is the man. Uh, I, I like what I'm seeing. Sammy, uh, the other night they are calling him Moran. Uh, Sam Moran, whatever, however the heck you pronounce. Making the transition from D to wing. Look, it's easier to go D to wing than wing to D. But my goodness, you know, his first NHL, his first game as a forward, basically, probably the Lord knows how long, is in the NHL, and he was hitting everything that moved. So love to see that they're giving him a chance to make an impact on that lineup. Love to see the young guys contributing. The coaching staff, outstanding. I've said this for, for months since they were brought on board. They continue to pay dividends. 
And this is a Flyers team now in a very, very tough di- division that at least in the early going has put yeah, themselves in Yeah, I mean, you got to really like nice what you're, you're seeing from everybody. Also, you know, to have Brian Elliott as a, as a um, backup goaltender, I mean, he's been large. It, yep. it's, it seems like they really built right off what they – what you know, their success in the bubble. Obviously, they got tripped up against the Islanders in the playoffs. But – and I'll tell you who's also made a huge impact, and this is good to see because he kind of disappeared in last year's playoffs. But James Van Riemsdyk has been fantastic on the power play. He, I think he's like second in power play goals in the NHL with four or five. Um, he's been fantastic. And you're right. If these young guys all connect, and you got to love the boss move by the coach. To sit connect me down and just say, listen, it, it just sends a good message to the rest of the team. He's not going to tolerate. If you're not giving it your all, and I love that, it's all about accountability. And he might be a hard ass and a tough guy to play for, but the players are definitely responding to him. Again, like I said before, are they still maybe that one sniper, that another player short that they maybe could get at the trade deadline that really takes them over the top, but – there's no doubt about it. This team is going to be in contention all year. They're fun to watch. And and Farby, he's he's been incredible. And I think Oscar Lindblom's going to get going soon again once he gets his legs going. And it's they're awesome. I mean, it, it's awesome the fact that and who knows, maybe later in the year uh, we can get some fans back in the building. And uh, Gritty's been tremendous. I don't know if people – but I didn't know that Gritty could do a backflip, yeah. but he could do a backflip. And I can't do a backflip. So, all in all, man, this is a great start for the boys, for the Fly Boys. And uh, I think we're going to be deep into the summer with some playoff runs, which is awesome. Four players for 10 or more points right now for the Flyers. And and Katori has been hurt. You know, he is their defensive, Um, you know, prowess as far as shutdown guy and and instrumental on the power, like when they're on the penalty kill. And he's Mr. Shorthanded. And, and Kevin Hayes has been great, too. That was an awesome signing. They paid a lot of money from him. But he's clutch, man. Yep. I love watching it. He might be one of my favorite flyers because he just – he kind of reminds me of Dustin Johnson a little bit, um, the golfer. He just doesn't seem to get rattled. He doesn't – he's hard to get off the puck. I mean, I just – I love everything he brings to the table. Very patient yeah. player. He plays at his own pace. He he makes the game go to his pace at times. At times it can be, I don't want to yeah. say aggravating, but I'm like, oh, shoot the puck. But he makes that extra move. He makes the extra pass. He's willing to skate the puck through the neutral zone. All really good things there. You and I texted about this the other day, John Mita, so I want to bring it up. But we talked about the importance of those playoff games last year. Uh, game seven against the Islanders, um, you know, a hard-fought six-round, uh, six-game series against the Canadians. I mean, that's valuable experience for some of those guys, even if it's a game or two, just so you know what it's like to get prepared for that game, to to go through the emotional roller coaster of a playoff game. It's going to bode well for this team um, in the long run. Uh, Johnny made it real quick. Nate Prosser fan. When you sent out that text, and this guy looks like Jeffrey Dahmer's cousin, and I'm like, who is this guy? Next thing you know. Next thing you know, the guy likes the lamp in the game. I'm like, who? I had never even heard of this guy, but I mean, it... I mean, he has carved out a 300 plus game career, nearing 400 games in the NHL, based on a yeah. couple of things: hard work and being likable. Oh, okay, um, he like doesn't even curse on the ice. He's he's like he's he, 
He is the uh, he's yeah, the, yeah, yeah. the frick guy. He's like B Doc. No, B Doc. Philip Rivers was that way. He talked. He was one of the dog, biggest dog, talkers in the NFL, but it. never yeah. cursed once. Yeah, yeah, and but Nate Prosser's got a switch, man. When it gets flipped, he gets nasty in front of his net. And coming yeah. from such a nice, likable family man, um, he's definitely got a split personality there. I, you know, his rookie year was in Houston way back in 2010-11. So I've known. Uh, the processor, as he's called, a long time. And people in Minnesota, they, they, when they saw that he scored and he was playing his first NHL game in almost two years, people were going crazy because yeah. he spent so long with the Wild. And uh, the, beat, the beat writer, Michael Russo, for The Athletic, for the Minnesota Wild, calls it the press box, not the press box, because he's the type of guy who will go sit. He'll miss 10 games. He won't say boo, and he's going to practice hard and be a good teammate. Comes in the lineup, you get what you get. So – uh, it was good to see him get a chance to contribute for the first time in a flyer sweater, and he found the back of the net. So uh, really good stuff there for Nate Prosser, who I probably, if you had said, will you ever talk about Nate Prosser on the Brotherly Love podcast? And, and now the people know. know. Not a shot. <laughs> All right, on the fly, brother. Um, I got I got one for you. All right. I got two. I'm going to give them to you yep. real quick, All right. right? I'm going to need quick yep. answers here, Johnny Mate. I appreciate everybody tuning in. On Twitter, at Love Podcast, on the fly. All right, question one. And I asked this to Bill Guerin when I interviewed him for my other podcast recently, talking about all these rivalries now, because in the NHL, you're playing teams back-to-back. You're playing three or four games. Right now, Minnesota's playing Colorado four straight games. Like, wow. that never happens in the regular season. Best rivalry or your favorite rivalry in hockey wow, is what? Man. Wow, that is great. I'll tell you, man, you got to look our own yard, backyard, and it's, it's just, I mean. Yeah. I'm, well, yeah, I mean, me it's got to be the Penguins. Right? I mean, the Penguins and Flyers is a knockout, drag out. Really? They, they hate each other. Uh, we all hate Sidney Crosby uh, to a yep. T, even though he's, again, like LeBron, a yep. great player, but hate hate the guy. Um, so I would say that's a good one. Um, on the West Coast, hmm, man. Uh, hmm. Yeah, 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 yeah. I'm good with that. I'm yeah. good with that. Just the Flyers one. And you know what I was thinking, too? I mean, you know, obviously yeah. the Penguins, if it's not yeah. that answer, it's probably the Rangers, right? I mean, you can't go wrong with either of them. Um, all right. Here's my, my part two for you. And I thought about this as we were just having a conversation. Sure. It popped into my head. I don't know, Twitter or what. But EA Sports announced today, NCAA college football, the video game is coming back. It hasn't been on the shelves in like six years. Your favorite John Mita sports wow. video game of all time. Wow, that is a good one. Back in the day, I used to love that college football. I used to play with Ladanian Tomlinson with TCU. But I'll tell you, you can't go wrong. And I just picked a copy up of this. And I, as much as I love playing FIFA, but I just picked up the John Madden. So Madden football for me is, is probably my favorite of all time. All right. I'm, uh, I'm going to go NHL. Okay. I mean, that's right in the wheelhouse. Genesis. I can't tell you how many times it might have. Yes. 97 might have been my favorite year of that game, but 94 is a classic. And I yep. used to play that with was good Buffalo Sabres yep. with Patrick LaFontaine and yep. Alexander LaFontaine. the Great McGillney. Yeah. Power Chuck. Chuck. The, the Dominator. Yep. Yep. Hashik was in net. Uh, man, I could rattle off. Oh so yeah, many of those Tony teams, Amante, like Blackhawks, oh, yeah. Ronick, and Amante. You yeah. could play with any team in that game and just light it up. Um, that might have been the first. 
I might be wrong. Okay. It might have been the first year of the Spinorama. Or that was early. That might be a little early for the Spinorama. Um, but I will also give a stick tap <laughs> to Blades of Steel on the original Blades Nintendo. Of Steel. Okay. We just okay. got, I got to get that out there. All right. I'm ready. Uh, I'm ready. Uh, of double course, trouble. Another rubble, old school. But I feel like my game was busted. And it never said. <laughs> or the graphics would get rubble, all distorted. Rubble. The front. Yeah. You'd have to make a free. You'd yeah. make a. You shoot a free throw to pick your team. Oh, and, and, stuff. and NBA the Jam was dude, another was awesome. class. Like, All right, where you, you could play the two on two for the. Oh, uh, dude, no, for the arcade. Outstanding. Yeah, yeah. for the arcade. Great, great was sick. So on the fly, kind of right, stole from Illustrator Show. We won't name their names. We don't want them to arrest us. But uh, it's a great comment. It was like great heckling stories because LeBron and a fan. You know, there's so many fans that get under mm-hmm. professional players' skins and. I was going to ask you what, give me a great heckling story. Cause I've been with you to sporting events and you're like me. And I've had some classic ones. A lot of times I'm actually heckling the refs and I've come up with some classic ones, but give me yours. And then I'll tell mine real quick or whatever you got. All right. So I've, I have, I've had many highs and lows with this professionally, personally, et cetera. As many of you know, I sometimes don't know when to close my mouth. However, from a professional sporting standpoint, um, I'm going to give you – well, I, I went through a phase where I would yell designated for assignment a lot to players on the baseball field that, like, you know, they were borderline major leaguers. And I'd be, like, just screaming designated for assignment after I'd yell their name. And that always seemed to get a rise from the crowd. But I will give you this story, and my dad can attest to it because he was sitting next to me. Citizens Bank Park. Because I think the vet had closed down. I had the Sunday Phillies game plan. And my pops and I went to a lot of games. Um, took my grandfather, my dad's dad. We went a bunch. My boy Finn again. I, we, like, if Sunday was like, who's coming? And there was a game where the had to have been the Giants and Phillies. And Barry Bonds is out in left field. And I'm just screaming at him, whether it's steroids or juice and he short hopped the throw to the center fielder warming up for an inning. And I was all over him. Like, yeah. just no cursing, kept it clean, but just like, come on, Barry, like, hit him. He laser beamed the next throw to the center fielder. Now, I have no way of knowing whether yeah. or not he heard me, but we were in the fourth row. He probably heard me. Uh, yeah. At the vet, we were front row, which was, I mean, in left field. I'm, you want to talk about being able to be heard, especially during some of those seasons. Uh, so, yeah, I, I got Barry Bonds, and I'm pretty sure he knew I was talking to him, and that next throw was on an absolute rope to the center fielder, and he kind of gave, like, a little glance back over the shoulder. All right, I so I got a great so that, one. I will so stick it's with that. me. Shout out to Paul Dono, who will never listen to this. And, and John – and John nice. Klaus, go That's watch the Eagles. Name. The Eagles, the Eagles are playing the Meyer. the Giants, right? And it's it's basically one of the worst football games to ever lay eyes on the entire time. And our tickets, we're in the back of the end zone, and we're in the first row. Okay, the back of the end zone. Brian or Brian Westbrook, right, returns the touchdown. So he comes rumbling right near us in the end zone. And I start screaming, Brian Mitchell, who? Because Brian Mitchell was the former punt returner for the Eagles. And he moved in. And I go, Brian Mitchell, who? Brian Mitchell, what? 
how about Brian Westbrook? And I start screaming. Brandon Short, the old linebacker from Penn State, who was a New York Giant, looks in the stands, takes his finger, points at me, and then he slits his throat, and I go, Brandon Short, Penn State University, you're placing the table, baby, woo! And he was so aggravated at me. It was the greatest thing ever. The throat slash. He gave the, you the throat, throat slash. slash. So he definitely hear me go, Brian Mitchell, wow. who, Brian Mitchell, what? And then, and then he literally looked at me, <laughs> pointed to me, gave me the throat slash. I mean, Klausy and them making a test to it. It was unreal. I mean, and he heard me loud and clear, and the Eagles did wow. win that track of a game. I would, I, I don't know if. Um, the mayor Wayne ever listens to the brotherly yeah. podcast, but yeah. I would love to hear it, him tell that story. It's amazing. It was, he just throws slash oh made And they won. It was incredible. And, and that game was like watching paint dry. <laughs> I mean, oh. and McNabb had a terrible day. He was burning the turf, killing worms all day long. Weird. It was brutal. Yeah, but real quick, burns. before we get off here, I think we got a, a real quick, a little one minute. Yeah. Desert. Who do you like in the Super Bowl? What are your thoughts? We got to talk about that because obviously oh, the yeah. big game. Oh, did I? Well, I don't want to get arrested, but uh, you know, the, the big game is uh, this yeah, weekend, this fine. Sunday. And uh, who do you got? Who do you like? What do you think is going to happen? I'm glad you brought that up. Our our BL podcast prediction that we're on the board with Packers right. came close. Came close. Uh, well, came close. I mean, we got to the chips in both rounds. I mean, it wasn't yeah, terrible. Yeah, not bad. Wasn't terrible. Not bad. So I'm I'm going to tell you that I'm going to tell you that I'm going to take the Kansas City Chiefs to win the game, and I, I've always been a big believer in that it's hard to repeat in today's era. You've heard me say that every time with sports, doesn't matter which sport. I just think that Patrick Mahomes he has said it's close to 100 percent. Turf toe was bothering him. Barely today. showed it. So exactly. And listen, do you ever no. bet against Tom Brady? Probably not a bright decision. They have mojo. They're playing really well. And like I said, it's hard to repeat. But there's no way I'm going to go lay a bunch of money on the Tampa Bay Buccaneers when the best player in football is across the sideline with unbelievable offensive weapons and a coach that seems to have gotten out of his own way from his big game failures. So I'm going to take Mahomes and the Chiefs to repeat. I don't think it'll be a blowout. I just don't know how you slow down Kansas City and hold them to less than – like Kansas City's going to score somewhere between 24 yep. and 34 points in their sleep. And I don't see Tampa being able to – you know, I was really impressed with the Chiefs from parts of the game I saw shutting down yep. the Bills. I thought the Bills were going to be able to put up big numbers, and it didn't happen. So if they can shut down the Bills, I think they can keep the Bucks in check. And like I said, the Chiefs, if they go a quarter with three points or seven points, they'll score 21 in the blink. And I, I don't know how you account for that. Momentum is so big in the NFL. On the biggest stage, the biggest game, if you get two or three consecutive touchdowns, you're going to shell shock your opponent. And I'll add one final thing. If this was a quarterback and a team that hadn't been there last year, I'd probably lean more towards the Bucs. But the Chiefs will not be phased. They know what they have, and they just want it. So they know what the halftime's like, what the big game is like. The Bucks have an advantage at home, minimal fan base. I don't know. But the Chiefs have been there, done that. They have the most talent. They have the best quarterback. Sorry, yeah. Tommy. 
TB12. I will say there's on, a big Tom. injury. Eric Fisher, the starting left tackle for the Kansas City Chiefs, is a poor guy against Buffalo, blew out his Achilles tendon. But I'm 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 on board with you. As great as Tom Brady is, and he's great. Um, I I don't think just like you said, man, Mahomes is he's on another level. I mean, some of the things the guys did. I also think this is a huge game for Travis Kelsey. He's going against you know Rob Gronkowski, a guy that he's been compared to. I think, you know, he's definitely going to want to show out. I definitely see him getting a touchdown. The last time these two teams played against each other in the regular season, yep. they had no answer for Tyreek Hill. Kansas City's absolutely loaded, but let's look at the other side of the football. And there's one of Tom Brady's nemesis. And I'm not talking player. I'm talking coach. Steve Spagnolo. okay? They played the Giants. The Giants played the Patriots twice in the Super Bowl. And he was able to come up with two really good defensive game plans against Tom Brady in the Super Bowl, and they were able to win it. So I got to give the Chiefs a nod. I think Andy Reid gets a second title. He's going to go down as one of the best coaches in NFL history. And, um, you know, no one ever roots for Tom Brady. And I definitely think they cover that three-point point spread. So I'm laying the big cheese on the Kansas City Chiefs. I like it. There it is, John. He made it. Johnny Wayne says we know him in the gambling it. circuit. Good stuff. Yeah, it was a little long, but uh, there was the so energy. much to cover. Yeah, and, there was so uh, much to cover. Great podcast the as ship always. Thanks, everyone, for listening. And, um, yeah, appreciate all the support for sure. And it was and hey. it was a four for four. Phil, Sixers, Fly Guys, and the Birds. You get it here on the Brotherly always. Love Podcast. Johnny made a good stuff, brother. We'll talk soon.